0: Grace and peace to you, and welcome to Reaching for Real Life with Sean Ozzaro, the senior pastor of River City Community Church in San Antonio, Texas, a church that exists to help people like you find the real life you were created for, and then find it to the full. That's what Jesus promised in John 10.10. And we continue in this series with a look at the life of Joshua called, When God Calls You. And when Joshua led his people to march around Jericho, he had God with him. Still, going into battle is scary. You're about to discover a clear method of attack you can take when facing your enemy. Reallife.org has this full message, sermon notes, and series available for free. If you feel led to bless this listener-supported radio ministry, then please do. There's a place to give also right there at reallife.org. Pastor Sean's now in Joshua chapter 5 and 6. The message today is called Going to War. It's time for Reaching for Real Life Radio.
1: We've seen Joshua had to step up and replace moses and how what a daunting challenging thing that might be but god assured him moses may be dead but i'm going to be with you joshua and we saw you know a lot of things have changed for us moses may be dead in a lot of ways but our god is alive and well and that's just the truth we saw that god created us to live in a land of promise it's not enough to leave egypt it's we we, we've got a thing that he's called us to be a part of to live in and it's something that we have to be willing to press into an experience. Uh, last week we saw as they crossed the Jordan River and God did a miraculous thing for them, and then we saw that God wants to give you faith stories of your own. He wants to give us faith stories, and I think that's really important, that we not rest on the faith stories of other people. And those are great, they're helpful, but at some point we've got to get our own, because honestly we all have battles that we have to fight, and other people can't fight them for you. They're not going to be able to fight for you. And at some point, you've got to say, wait a minute, when I walked with God, when I experienced this with the Lord, when he spoke to me and I stepped out, I saw God move. And that will change you. That'll change you. We're going to pick up today in Joshua chapter five. If you have your Bibles, why to turn there? Uh, whether that's electronic paper, whatever. I love to have people follow along and see it in their own copy of scriptures. They can make notes. They can go back later and look. Last week, remember, they crossed the Jordan. And you remember what the Lord did. He kind of parted those waters during flood stage and they walked across on dry ground well in joshua 5 1 right at the beginning of the chapter we're told that all the amorite kings who were west of the jordan and the canaanite kings uh they heard about this how the lord had dried up the jordan and the phrase it uses it says their hearts melted in fear and they no longer had courage to face the israelites the reason being is when you have something in the topography or in the landscape that's like, like a big river or like a mountain kind of range or things like that, those create natural barriers, and people would build their cities and stuff to give them a strategic advantage. And they had a strategic advantage. The Canaanites had a strategic advantage. That river protected them on that side. They didn't have to build fortifications on that side from a large army because you couldn't, you couldn't approach from that direction. And so that was a natural barrier, a natural defense. And when God removed that instantly, there was this sense of, oh my gosh, that completely that we depended on that's always been there, it's just gone. And they knew there was something else at work here. Now, God did something interesting. They went, they had the strategic advantage, they crossed this river, now they're there, and instead of attacking, instead of taking advantage of that momentum, they stopped and they literally, all the young men who had come and who had only lived in the wilderness, they weren't in Egypt, um, they had been lax in doing the, the, the ceremony of circumcision, which was a covenant between God and his people, the ceremony of circumcision. And, and the ceremony of circumcision is really significant. You know. Um, we understand health things and reasons, and that's why we do that. But to be honest with you, um, for them, this was the symbol of authority because it was in the mail. And in that culture, there was clearly this sense of authority in the home, in the male. And so that happened in the males. It was in it was where reproduction happened. It was in the reproductive organ, which again, one of the things, one of the areas where we get to share in God's creative nature is in what we call procreation. And when you stop and think about it, you think about authority and you think about procreation, those are two of the areas where our society, where people most rebel against God. When you really stop and think about it, authority and procreation are some of the biggest areas where we find we are resistant to God's leadership and we we rise up and there's this sense of rebellion against God. Well, this issue of circumcision wasn't just, well, we probably should take care of this now. Now Now's as good a time as any. It was actually a really inconvenient time because they had to wait then for all these men to heal. But it was what was most important is that they recognized we are God's people. We, We are marked by his presence. We have a covenant with him. And we want to be a part of that. We want to be in the covenant of God's leadership. I want to pick up at verse 13 of Joshua chapter 5. We read, now when Joshua was near Jericho, he looked up and he saw a man standing in front of him with a drawn sword in his hand. They're outside a city that they're going to take. There's a man standing with a drawn sword in his hand. Joshua went up to him and asked, are you for us or for our enemies? He didn't know who he was. He could have been one of the Israelis, the Israelites, Or he could have been from Jericho. Are you with us, or are you for our enemies? Neither, he replied. Interesting answer. But as commander of the army of the Lord, I have now come. Then Joshua fell face down to the ground in reverence and asked him, What message does my Lord have for his servant? The commander of the Lord's army replied, Take off your sandals, for the place where you're standing is holy. And Joshua did so. I love that. Are you for us or our enemies? No. Don't. And then he, what makes it interesting is because he says, I've come as the commander of the Lord's army. And you're like, wait a minute, we're God's people. You should be for us. Aren't you on our team? And he quickly realized that's the wrong question. We, we sit and think we, God's on our team, right? God's always on our team. That's, that's the wrong question. Not is God on our team. Are we on God's team? Are we on God's team? Because this was a real point of communication to Joshua. He understood some things real quickly. Three big realizations that happened at, that, at this encounter. One, you're going to war. This is war, okay? God showed up, and he didn't show up with a harp. He didn't show up just as a messenger, didn't show up kind of as an angel. He showed up as the commander of the Lord's army, and he was holding a sword. You are going to war. There are just times, folks, when we need to go to war. There are things that need to be stood up against. There are things, ground that needs to be taken. There are times when we have to stand up and go to war. And Joshua, it was crystal clear. You're going to war. The second realization is you're not alone. You're not alone. The commander of the Lord's army is here, which means the Lord's army is here. And that had to give Joshua great comfort and a sense of peace. The, the third thing is, okay, for the first was, was you're in a war. Okay, you're going to war. The second was you're not alone. And the third realization, which is really important, is you're not in charge. Okay? You're not in charge. I'm coming to you not as a helper, not as your buddy. I'm coming to you as the commander of the army of the Lord. And Joshua got it and immediately bowed down in worship. He knew something bigger was happening here. And interestingly, I love this this thing that he says. He says, take off your sandals. The place you're standing is holy. Joshua would have immediately remembered what the Lord said to Moses when he stood at a burning bush. Some people think because of this that this is a manifestation of the Lord's presence, kind of a pre-incarnation of Jesus before jesus came you know that this was that that's who he came as i i I don't know That's there's there's speculation on that part because we know that lots of times angels appeared messengers appeared and they didn't say this but in this case just like he said to moses before the burning bush take off your sandals moses he said don't come any closer take off the sandals for the place you're standing is holy ground that was in exodus 3 And, and what's interesting is it wasn't the ground that was holy it was It wasn't the land that made it holy. It was the Lord's presence that made this ground holy. In other words, Joshua, you're at a different kind of juncture here. This is a God thing that's about to happen. You may have plans. You may have battle plans and strategies. But what he's learning right now is, Joshua, you're not in charge. And you now have to come and follow as a worshiper. And that's exactly what Joshua did. That brings us right up to chapter 6. We'll pick right up at verse 1. Now the gates of Jericho were securely barred because of the Israelites. No one went in, and no, uh, no one went out, and no one came in. They were, they were terrified. They were terrified. Then the Lord said to Joshua, See, I've delivered Jericho into your hands along with its king and its fighting men. March around the city once with all the armed men. Do this for six days. Have seven priests carry trumpets of ram's horns in front of the ark. On the seventh day, march around the city seven times with the priests blowing the trumpets. When you hear them sound a long blast on the trumpets, have the whole army give a loud shout. Then the wall of the city will collapse, and the army will go up, everyone straight in. Okay, time out. That's the strategy. That's the plan. I mean, he's excited. The, the commander of the Lord's army is here, the creator of all things. And really, the priests, the trumpets, the shouting, that's, that's, that's our deal. That's what we're going to do. No kind of no ladders, no plan to scale, the Lord's army coming down, swooping. This is it. I mean, obviously Joshua didn't say that, but this is a really unconventional way to take a city, a walled, fortified city. This is dangerous. It's risky. I mean, you're walking around that city. You you do know these people are there. The city is fortified. They have spears, bow and arrows, rocks, weapons. This is risky. And yet it's what the Lord's plan was. So Joshua goes back to the others, and their obvious question is, you know, what's the plan? Well, he tells them. So Joshua, son of Nun, called the priests and said to them, take up the ark of the covenant of the Lord, have seven priests carry trumpets in front of it. And he ordered the army, advance, march around the city with an armed guard going ahead of the ark of the Lord. When Joshua had spoken to the people, the seven priests carrying the seven trumpets before the Lord went forward, blowing their trumpets, and the ark of the Lord's covenant followed them. The armed guard marched ahead of the priests who blew the trumpets, and the rear guard followed the ark. All this time the trumpets were sounding, but Joshua had commanded the army, do not give a war cry, do not raise your voices, do not say a word, until the day I tell you to shout, then shout. Uh, Interesting. They're getting ready to go to battle, and he says, don't say anything until the day I tell you. In other words, we're in for the long haul here. Not until I tell you, which is like, okay, going to be later on as we advance. Now, until the day I tell you. That was the clue that this, this is going to go on for a while. So we had the ark of the Lord carried around the city, circling it once. Then the army returned to the camp and spent the night there. What did they feel like? Well, that was good. You guys, feel like we made some progress? Excellent. Excellent. Joshua got up early the next morning, so the very, very first thing, and the priest took up the ark of the Lord. The seven priests carrying the seven trumpets went forward, marching before the ark of the Lord and blowing the trumpets. The armed men went ahead of them, and the rear guard followed the ark of the Lord while the trumpets kept sounding. So on the second day they marched around the city once and returned to the camp. They did this for six days. I mean, really. Okay, so after day two, it's like, well, I guess. Day three, okay, day four, are you kidding me? Day five, I think we're just going to keep doing this. for. I don't think this is doing anything. And you know, they did it in the morning, so they're done like by noon, right? And then people got lots of time. And you know what people do when they have time. They're always supportive of plans that they don't understand. They had lots of time just go, man, Joshua's so cool. This is awesome. No, there's people going, This guy's out of his mind. I guess, you know, God's not showing up. When the ark went through the Jordan River, it parted. This isn't working. You know how human nature is, you know how we are. And you know, there had to be that sense of, wow, Lord, I really hope you know what you're doing. You ever said that to God, I hope you know what you're doing, and then realized how stupid that was?
0: And this is when we take a quick minute to remind you, you're listening to Reaching for Real Life with Sean Azaro, a listener-supported ministry of River City Community Church in this message called Going to War. It's in the series Joshua, When God Calls You, which is available right now on the sermon page at reallife.org. And while you're there, if you've been blessed by this teaching, your gift of any amount helps this radio ministry continue to help others. Just find the Give tab at reallife.org. And Pastor Sean Azaro, now an author, invites you to check out his brand new book. This is reaching for real life radio,
1: but they did this for six days on the seventh day. They got up at daybreak and marched around the city seven times in the same manner, except that on that day, they circled the city seven th- times the seventh time around when the priest sounded the trumpet blast, Joshua commanded the army shout for the Lord has given you the city, the city and all that is in it are to be devoted to the Lord. Interesting phrase. This was their first city, their first conquest. Everything in it was devoted to the Lord. Almost think the concept of the tithe. It it belonged to the Lord. Later on, they could take spoils. But on this city, they were instructed, no, no, you don't. Only Rahab the prostitute and all who are with her in her house shall be spared because she hid the spies we sent. You remember that Rahab, if you know the story, when the spies went in, Rahab actually approached them and said, we know God's given you the city. And so she hid them and she helped them. And because of that, she and all her household were going to be spared. But keep away from the devoted things so that you don't bring about your own destruction by taking any of them. Otherwise, you'll make the camp of Israel liable to destruction and bring trouble on it. Here's the devoted things. All the silver and gold and the articles of bronze and iron are sacred to the Lord and must go into his treasury. When the trumpet sounded, the army shouted, and at the sound of the trumpet, when the men gave a loud shout, the wall collapsed. So everyone charged straight in and they took the city. After all that, that's the description of the battle. They did the wall and they went in and they took the city. They devoted the city to the Lord and destroyed with the sword every living thing in it men and women, young and old, cattle, sheep, and donkeys. We're told that they burned the city after that, burned it to the ground, and Joshua. Under the Lord's instruction, declared a curse of the Lord on anyone who would, tra- re- who would try to rebuild that city. I mean, if we can get out of our kind of Joshua fought the Battle of Jericho thing and our veggie tail mindset, and we do, we, you know, you know. I, I could just start doing veggie tail bits, but then I'd be lost. You'd lose me for the rest of the service. But you've got to understand, this was war. Yes, it was unconventional, but then it just was hard. It was violent. People died. And you stop and go, isn't there some other way? God, you could have just snapped your fingers and made this happen. Isn't there some other way for this to happen? And I want to suggest Joshua learned something that I think we need to learn. Sometimes you just have to go to war. Really. Sometimes you have to go to war. God had a land to promise for them. He, he told them it was there. He led them there. He had promised them. But they had to fight. They had to fight for it. They had to take it. They had to get their hands dirty, and I think sometimes we do too. Sometimes we have to be the one. Sometimes you have to be the one who actually stands and goes to war for certain things that are right, certain things that that are yours according to the Lord, certain things that we just should stand up for. You have to do it because you're the one who's being falsely accused. You're the one who's received the diagnosis. You're the one whose kids are under attack. Because we live in a culture that won't tolerate truth. You're the one whose marriage is under assault and maybe is barely hanging on. You're the one who has to fight. And we just have to stop and realize that. Sometimes we are called to step up and fight. But if we learn anything from this passage, it suggests the way we fight is different. The way we fight is different. Yes, we have battles. Yes, we have wars, so to speak, that we have to engage in. But we fight in a totally different way. In fact, in the New Testament, Paul wrote it this way, 2 Corinthians 10, 3 and 4. He said, for though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. This might be one of the toughest parts because we've been trained in a world. All the friends around us, all the people around us, they'll give us advice, they'll coach us, they'll push us in the weapons of the world. But that's not how we fight. Scripture says, on the contrary, the weapons we have have divine power to demolish, I love that word, demolish, strongholds. When you stop and think about the passage we're reading in Joshua, it's like, that's what we're talking about. They have divine power to demolish strongholds, those those places where they've been established, fortified, rooted, that need to be removed sometimes you have to go to war, but the way we go to war is different. In fact, if you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. Here's the main point, big idea. God's strategy for warfare always requires focusing more on who's with you than who or what is against you. Let me say that again. God's strategy for warfare always requires focusing more on who's with you than who or what is against you. We tend to get all caught up and we're, whatever the obstacle, whatever the person, whatever the force is, whatever that thing we think is that's against us, we get so obsessed and then we start reacting to that. Whereas what God is saying, no, no, I have a different plan for you. I want you to stop, step back, and I want you to focus on who's with you for a moment because it changes everything. You know, you may be going, okay, in Joshua, what's the big deal with the trumpets? Why the blowing of all the trumpets? Well, these instruments were, were called jubilee trumpets. And they were used in connection with Israel's solemn assemblies, all their feasts, which were worship. They were used to proclaim the presence of God, to lift him up and to declare the worship and the call to the Lord. The trumpets were a way of saying, God is with us. And if you noticed in verse 8 chapter 6, verse 8. You can breeze right through this and miss it. Here's what it says. When Joshua had spoken to the people, the seven priests carrying the seven trumpets before the Lord went forward. Did you catch it? Seven priests carrying seven trumpets before the Lord. Not before the ark, not before the people, not before Jericho. They were doing what they were doing before the Lord. In other words, God was there. God was watching and they were doing it for him. All of this was before the Lord. It was almost as though with that action, with that worship, when we are in the midst of warfare, we're in the midst of adversity, and, and we stop and we start to worship and praise, and we start to remember our God is there, it changes everything. And you realize this whole thing is not just me against them. This whole thing is before the Lord. And that changes things. That makes it different. Did you notice the use of the number seven at all? Anywhere. Can you recall any of it? Seven priests, seven trumpets, seven days, seven circuits of the wall. On the seventh day, it's like okay, God likes seven. Actually, seven in the scripture often refers to completion. In fact, it, verse one is really interesting. Joshua six one said the gates were secured and barred because the Israelites don't no went in out. And then in verse two, the Lord said to Joshua, "See." I have delivered Jericho into your hands along with its king and its fighting, uh, its fighting men. And Joshua would hear the Lord say, I've delivered it, it's done. And they would look and there's the city and the walls and the fortifications and the weapons. It's done, and, but it's still sitting there. It's done, but I don't have it yet. I'm still going to have to fight this battle. The commentators tell us that the, the tense in the Hebrew that's used there they talk about the prophetic perfect in other words speaking of something that hasn't yet happened in the natural has already accomplished because it has happened in the supernatural in other words it's done because god said it's done and that's the way he said, he said go look and see it's already done see it see it joshua i'm standing here telling you it is accomplished God's strategy for warfare requires focusing more on who's with you than who or what is against you. This is a powerful, powerful principle, folks. God taught me this, and I would say maybe the most difficult, if not one of the most difficult times of my life, and clearly one of the most painful times of my life. It's 1984, and I was 22 years old, and... No other way to say it except that I married the wrong person. I'm not talking about my wife, Lori, obviously. This was before Lori. I had dated this girl, thought I was in love, and against the counsel of a number of people who loved me and who I really trusted, I went ahead and moved forward in the relationship. Oh, we went to church together. We had Christian friends. But there was something wrong that others around me were able to see. I didn't want to admit it. Honestly, I probably saw it at times, but... If you know me, I can get a little bit, when I focus in on something, you know, I can be kind of, I'd said, of course. I don't typically typically quit easily. And so we got married, and within eight months of our wedding, she began acting strange. Within nine months, I discovered she was involved with someone at work, and at 10 months, she moved out. She wouldn't accept counsel. She wouldn't take phone calls from our Christian friends. She cut them all off. She cut all our pastors off. She cut... Everybody off, and she served me divorce papers. I have to tell you, I I was in absolute shock. Here I was a Christian kid, you know, trying, I tried to follow Jesus, and this was something I didn't believe in (laughs) divorce. I didn't, and yet here it was. It was served to me, and I didn't seem to have a choice. Friends tried to help, they were very supportive and encouraging. Some, after reading the papers and looking at the approach that they were taking said get a good lawyer one friend really wanting to protect me suggested i sell him what little belongings i had and what little assets i had to ensure that i didn't lose them in a messy divorce i considered this i really did but i prayed about it first and let me just tell you that's the one thing i did right in this whole deal you know when you're up against it and you can't trust your judgment because you're hurt, you just want to get through it, you want to go away, whatever, you just don't know what to do. One thing I did right is I stopped and I prayed about it. And I asked the Lord, and He made it clear, I wasn't to do anything of the sort. I wasn't to try any tricks. I wasn't to try anything like that. I was to remain still, trust Him, and let Him fight this battle in His way.
0: That's Pastor Sean Azaro. You've been listening to Reaching for Real Life Radio. And if you'd like to hear this full message called Going to War in the series Joshua... When God Calls You, it's available right now on demand at reallife.org. And while you're there, we'd appreciate your feedback. You can leave us a note on our Contact Us page. Or even better, your financial gift helps this radio ministry continue. Find that Give tab at reallife.org. But of course, you're invited to visit and join us at River City Community Church, located on Lookout Road right behind Rotama Park, next to the Real Life Amphitheater. If you'd like to call the church, the number is 210-490-5262. As Reaching for Real Life Radio is a service of River City Community Church, we hope you join us again next time as you travel the road to real life.